Welcome to the Three Wins Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lydon. If you're a business owner or in senior leadership at your company, you've come to the right place. The Three Wins Podcast is presented by Legacy Advisory Partners, an Atlanta-based financial services firm that believes that the key to unleashing your company's full potential is to evaluate business performance using the Three Wins Framework. What exactly are the three wins? The starting point is the shareholder win. What does the business owner want to accomplish financially and by when? Second, the company win. What does the company need to achieve to support the owner's financial goals? And finally, the key leader win. How can the company help key leaders reach their financial goals, which in turn will contribute to both the company and shareholder wins? The idea here is that when you pursue the shareholder, company, and key leader wins all in concert, you'll see a level of collaboration in your business that becomes a force multiplier to achieve breakthrough performance. The legacy team calls this dynamic the collaboration effect on profits. And in the Three Wins podcast, we help you discover and deploy the financial strategies and tools you need to put the collaboration effect on profits in motion in your business and in your personal financial life. So let's dive into this episode. In this episode, I chat with Russ Klemmer, the president at Legacy Advisory Partners, and we talk about what to consider as businesses begin to reopen after several weeks of a nationwide shutdown from the coronavirus. The challenge right now is that not all states or even counties and municipalities within each state are on the same reopen schedule. And there are a wide range of rules and guidelines in effect, depending on where you're located. Then there are the issues of safety and employee concerns about returning to work. As a business owner, what should you be thinking about now to help make this transition back to work as smooth as possible for your employees and for your company? What are the potential pitfalls to avoid? And what lessons did you learn during the shutdown? that will change how your business operates moving forward. Russ and I tackle these questions and more. And we also have bonus content at the end of this episode that you will not want to miss, where Russ sits down with Atlanta employment attorney, Amanda Farahani, managing partner of Barrett and Farahani, one of the top employment law firms in Georgia, as they talk about what you should keep in mind from a legal perspective as you start to bring back your employees. So without further ado, let's dive into this next episode of the Three Wins Podcast. If you were to put this kind of post-corona checklist together as businesses start to reopen, what are the important things that they should have on that checklist to make sure that they've covered all their bases? Yeah, I think the, the the top two or three that come to mind are a knowledge of their employees and, and their uh, understanding of of you know what those employees need, right? Uh, from a from a you know uh, understanding or feeling of security, um, you know that's not easy for all empl- uh, employers, right? You know if you've been you know if you're a Home Depot if you're a Lowe's or you know, grocery short store chain or, or, you know, any of the other, uh, uh, quote unquote essential, mm-hmm. uh, 
um, employers, then the, the employees that work for you have kind of had to say, all right, well, we're going to make the best, you know, make, make do with the best that we can. Right. And hopefully that's enough. Um, other employers though are, are, you know, they, they kind of have to wade through uh, that question of, well, you know, it, is it necessary to bring all my folks back together? And if it is, what's the best way to bring them back together? What, what routine do we have? What safety measures do we have? What are the, what are the precautions that need to be taken? And, and, you know, you being in Florida, it's a little bit different than, you know, me living in Georgia, which is completely different than, some of our clients up in Michigan uh, and what they're facing out in California with this extended period of, of lockdown and, and non-essentialism. Right. I guess that's a new word. And so you kind of, you kind of have to sit there and look at it from a, you know, from 50 different perspectives um, plus the federal government. Right. What is necessary, but to to be, to be human about it and and to, to, to promote the, uh, the, the uh, humanity behind all of this is we, we have to balance people's ability to be able to, uh, to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. We don't want our workplace to be a hindrance from them to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, we, we don't want the, the, the requirement to come in um, unless it's necessary to be, you know, something that's a stumbling block block for those folks. But at the same time, if the job has to be done, um, at a central location, uh, like a grocery store or anything else. And it's the, it's the, uh, fine line of, of, of saying, Hey, this is for, for the job to exist in the future. Mm-hmm. It's got to be done. We have to open back up. We have to do these things. So it's, it's a tough decision to make for sure. How do you, how do you assess whether it's necessary to bring folks in? Because that word necessary you know, people can define that in a different way. And it may be their preference if they're in management, their preference of having certain people there in front of them and so forth. So as, as you're developing kind of this matrix of thinking this through, how how do you decide, you know, who's necessary to come in? Yeah. You know, all along it's, it's been uh, curious that, uh, you know, the, the people who are uh, in management, the people who are, um, you know, quote unquote, white collar, uh, they're the ones who, excuse me, they're the ones who have been, um, you know, ones that are, that are not essential to bring into the office. Right. You know, you've got, uh, you've got these big campuses of places and they've still got to be secure. They have to be uh, maintained uh, from a, you know, maybe a reduced level, but still, there's maintenance to be done on these places sure. and those employees have to come in. That's their job. That's what they're doing. So they have to come in. Right. I think the, the test is, uh, the test is, can we, uh, can we do this job from anywhere? Mm. And if I can physically sit down, whether it be at a Starbucks, uh, uh, high top, table with a cup of coffee, whether I can do it at my kitchen table, if I can do the job, yeah. then 
no, I don't need to go back to a central location. Right. If my job includes a lot of printing, like if I have things, tools that I can't have at home, if I have to print and bind and do these different things, if I'm, if I'm in the middle of all of that, if I have to meet face to face or, 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 you know, be in close proximity to someone else or it's physical goods that I'm dealing with, then that makes sense. You understand that you can't sell groceries if you don't have a grocery store that's open. Right. Generally speaking, um, you, you have a lot of the, you know, the, the delivery of those groceries, but you, someone still has to deliver those things. Someone has to put them in the bag. Someone has to uh, put them in the car, deliver them. That's what, so there's always that, that person that's there. But if I can do my job, mm-hmm. generally speaking, anywhere, then the burden is both, should I bring those people back? And do I really have to right. as an employer? So I guess what you do is you look at it on a role by role basis. So whatever this particular role is, that's probably best suited that they be on site if this is going if this work is going to be done. And other roles you could look at and go, you know what, this I don't see any reason why they have to come in. This could remain remote. Is that how how you would envision looking at that? Yeah, yeah. It's and Sean, you bring up a good point. So when we we dig into the uh, the, the uh, team engagement, team communication mm-hmm. workshops that we do with business owners and this, their teams, yeah. we dig into roles. Right. And the first thing we do is say, "Hey, listen. Do you have all the right roles identified, and do you have the right people in those roles?" Mm-hmm. And so another step in that is analyzing: is the role something that has to be on site? Um, it, are the tools necessary? Is it a location issue? Is it a, is it a product issue? Um, and so if it's not, then the question is, for what strategic reason would we further require that person to come in? Yeah. And, and you can go down a rabbit trail. You can. You know, some people would argue, well, we know that certain personalities work better in a group setting. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Some people say, well, you know, in order to get a lot high level of collaboration and for us to really have a good corporate culture, you got to have people together, all of those things. But I think there's going to be a, a, a much higher hurdle for people to, to you know, have to, to get over as uh, executives to be able to say, hey, we're going to require you to come back to work because I happen to be the CEO and I just happen to th- think that everybody's more productive if they're at work. Right. I can't see you working. So I can't, I don't trust you. And I think that's where you have to kind of stop and say, you know, we want to make sure that people are getting their, their within their role. They have have a crystal clear understanding of what the job is. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, and if you don't have a crystal clear understanding of what that is, then you can't just simply trust them. You have to verify. Right. And that's that second portion of our teamwork assessment is to say, all right, we have the right roles with the right people in those roles. Now, what, what are the most important tasks that people are doing on a weekly basis? And so if you can identify those, work through the process of identifying those and communicating those to everybody around, then you're able to build that trust and also verify that the work was done that needed to be done. Yeah. And, and 
if you can kind of walk through that process, because what I imagine what a lot of leaders, especially if they're used to being around, being in the office, having their team around to evaluate their performance. So you can look at them and go, you know what, that person comes in the office early, they leave late, they're, you know, they're constantly on the move looking like they're extremely productive. But when they're not around you, how do you assess their performance? And sure, yeah, these, they, they are the quality of worker that I thought they would be. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it's, it's definitely a uh, balancing act. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're, you know, we had this, we had this own struggle internally ourselves, you know, kind of going through, well, you know, it, it, are we still going to get as much done? Is it going to be, uh, what's it going to be like working at home with kids around? I've got little right. kids. Um, you know, some of our employees have little kids and it's, it's definitely uh, tough, but I guess the question is, you know, you're, you're starting to say, well, what do we expect out of people who are in roles that can do it from anywhere? Right. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Can you be remote and still uh, perform the same job if you're sitting in a cubicle? And so it's it, it kind of getting to that point where you're, you're able to say, listen, I've got to, I've got to measure their success in a way that's different than me just seeing them clock in mm. and show up at seven and, you know, leave at four or show up at eight and leave at five. I've got right. to be able to measure their success. And if you think about it for years, we've been hearing about productivity in the work at work. Sure. How many hours are wasted talking around the water cooler? How many hours are wasted? Somebody, you know, looking up, travel plans for their, you know, summer vacation while they're at their, their desktop at, at, at their cubicle. Right. We've been talking about people who, who, you know, they're there, but they're not really there, you know, for, for a couple of hours a day, you know, you can, you, you see these studies and people are, you know, wasting time, they're daydreaming, yeah. they're thinking about this, or they're walking clear across to, you know, get, you know, one thing done when they can pick up the phone and get it done, you know, yeah. 90% faster just because you have someone physically present doesn't mean that they're actually getting the job done any better. Right. The difference is you have steps in place to measure their performance that they own. Mm. And so whether you're at home or whether you're physically present, it should be the performance and the outputs that people are paying attention to and measuring. It's it's in the sense of deliverables versus activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you you know, a lot of people can look really busy. Sure. They can talk and, and look busy and I did all these different things and on and on and on. But if you don't have the right metric for the right job, then at the end of the day, it, it's it's just it's just busyness. Yeah. That's that's one of the vices that we talk about trying to to uh, you know uh, uproot from the cultures of the businesses that we consult with is, Hey, if you're just busy, you're getting a lot of stuff done and none of it's right. Yeah. Most of it's not right. Now I want to make sure we flesh out this, this checklist post Corona mm-hmm. checklist. And so if I understand correctly, one key point is deciding based on the role, 
what roles are required to be on site, which ones can go remote. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, understanding how that impacts how performance is evaluated, whether you're on site or remote and what that means to the employees so that they have a clear idea of what their expectations are. What are some other key points that should be on that post-corona checklist as things start to reopen? Yeah, I think the, a big question here is uh, the idea around uh, the, the, the understanding of if it's not necessary and someone is brought back or forced to come back and they get sick, what, what exposure do you have? Hmm. What exposure do you have? And, and I've talked with uh, uh, a local uh, here in Atlanta, um, uh, an expert uh, in this field in, in employment law, okay. attorney Amanda Farahani. And uh, she's the, the uh, uh, managing partner of uh, Barrett and Farahani. And uh, we'll, we'll share some information that, uh, some key points that she shared with me uh, here in a minute, but the, 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 the emphasis is, Hey, you want to be able to kind of, you know, make sure that you're uh, not forcing an issue that you don't have to force. Hmm. There has to be a really good reason. And it's not, if you're looking at it from a legal perspective, if there is a legal question mark, then it's important to stop and say, well, is it really necessary or is it your preference? Mm. So you have to kind of check your, your, your mentality and say, no, the old way of doing things is that you come into work, you come into work. I know you're there. And because you were there, I can at least say, I can, you know, have a, a secure sense that you got something done that day. And I spent money in a, in a, in a prudent way right. versus being able to shift owners of businesses and, and, and executives being able to shift and say, no, listen, Hey, I know that, you know, some people can get, get done more in four hours than some people can get done in eight. Right. With the way they work. Right. How do we best set up our employees to be successful? Even though there's a legal question, right? Let's bring it back over to what makes the most sense for my business and in most cases, if you're answering the question that way and you can still point and say, man, I really need these people to be in here or I need them to be in here once a week, then you can step back and say, all right, how do I communicate and prepare my office environment to uh, balance that legal question? And we, when we talk about necessary... Sometimes we look at that from the perspective of the leader. Should we do this on-site, um, off-site, and so forth? But when it comes to employees, not all employees are created equal. So some of us can thrive working from home. Yeah. Others uh, feel stifled, feel distracted. Feel So how do you uh, kind of think through the individual aspects of your team to determine what's optimal for them. Yeah. You know, there, there's been a lot of uh, conversation and, and uh, concern mm -hmm. over the mental health of people yeah. through this process. 
I think that's a very real thing. Um, people manage, uh, you know, different um, mental challenges and emotional challenges uh, through the health of being around people. Right. Some of the, some of the benefits of being around other people. Uh, some people manage those things by being away from people. And you have to take that individual just because right. you have, a, you know, a software engineer who's coming in and working, they may have two very different experiences and backgrounds when it comes to associating with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have some, you know, talented employees right. who prefer to work for a big corporation where there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of different things going on versus someone who is attracted to a smaller company with a more intimate setting, uh, a, a, a different type of culture, a different type of feel where they can know everybody and, and kind of feel, understand where they belong in the, in the, in the culture of the company in the, in the yeah. order. Of the company. So it's really paying attention to who you have as employed. Now that's a little bit easier for a smaller company. It's, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a difficult task for these large corporations working through these different questions. Um, so it's, it's one of those where you have to kind of weigh and pay attention to the people that you have. You have to yeah. consider, you have to ask that question of what is the best, not just for the company, but also for the person. And you are, which is like anything else, you're just, you're trying to find the balance. Right. You're trying to find the balance where it's fair and appropriate to both the employer and the employee. The, the employer cannot continue if they don't have the right number of employees, right. right? Something has to change. But the employee is no longer an employee if they don't have a place to go work or if they do not go to work. And whether that's, you know, down the hallway in a, in a home office or if it's, you know, at a Starbucks like people used to do or if it's at a, at a, at a you know, central yeah. you know, office where people all know that they're expected to, to go to work. So it's really finding that balance that is uh, the, the key thing. And I got to imagine that you have to have some sort of plan in place if you've got to make adjustments. The, to give you an example, the auto plants, most of them started reopening on Monday. I saw something on the wire today um, from the Wall Street Journal that Ford had three employees test positive at a plant. They had to shut it down for several hours to get it, you know, sanitize and everything else to so i imagine you've got to figure out what you're gonna do if you start having these cases pop up that you didn't have to deal with when everybody was on a total shutdown kind of walk walk me through what your thoughts are on that yeah yeah um i'm i'm a firm uh believer i'm not a scientist not a doctor, um, but I'm a firm believer that uh, at some point, unless we're all just committed to waiting for a cure, at some point we're going to have to take that step of faith saying that, hey, I'm going to, if I'm concerned and I'm worried mm-hmm. and I want to be cautious, which, which people should, employers and employees should, right. then I'm going to take what I know and I'm going to have to make that decision for myself. Mm-hmm. If I, if the job that I have 
or had when I went into this and I still have that job, right? That's the first question. If that requires me to go back to work and I'm not comfortable doing that, then if I can't, you know, if unemployment is not enough, I have to seek work elsewhere. Right. That's just like if I don't feel comfortable with the culture of a business, if it's not good for me mentally and emotionally, the culture of that business, I'm going to go seek work elsewhere. Right. Same thing with this. You want people to be careful. You want people to be cautious. You want people to be commonsensical. And when they, when they, you start to see people who are stepping outside of that, you disrupt what is now kind of a new ecosystem in, in this, this work uh, trust relationship with other folks. Right. So if you have these steps and you say, well, we had to shut down for a couple of hours. Right. And I don't want those people to get COVID-19. Right. But at the same time, I want everybody else who's there and is able to work and earn that paycheck. I want them to have the opportunity if that's what they want. Yeah. Ford wants that too, because Ford doesn't want to go out of business. And if you yep. can't, you can't make the cars, you're not going to be able to sell cars. Right. So that, that's, that's part of that challenge. Continuing to flesh out this checklist. So number one, remote versus on-site. Number two, evaluating performance based on where they are and, you know, deliverables versus strictly activity that you would Mm -hmm. uh, traditionally look for. Number three, what is our exposure by, you know, what, what are some of the risks that we're taking that we're doing this? Um, Number four, I guess I, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but sort of having an action plan if things do flare up a bit and you, you have issues, how are you going to handle it? Uh, what, what else would, would you imagine putting on that list, if anything? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the last thing is, is simply patience. Mm. It's patience and humility. And, and it, in so many different areas of life, if you can be patient and show some humility, uh, both the employer and the employee, uh, then we're able to sort through things um, pretty well in, in most cases. Maybe not perfectly, but, but pretty well. And what I mean by that is the idea that if, uh, if I take dogmatic stances in this time, in this, this, this unsettled uh, world economy and, and, and market and, and uh, uh, job forecast, yeah. then I'm, I'm going to just entrench myself instead of stopping and saying, all right, what's best for my particular group? I don't have to decide what's best for the rest of the country. I don't have to decide what's best for all the other 49 states. I don't have to decide what's best for the other counties. I don't have to decide what's best for the other municipalities. Right. I can want and I can say, hey, if it were me, then maybe this would be the case. But I can't be arrogant enough to say, I know what's rest, best for all of those other people. And you should simply just follow this advice and everything's going to be okay. Right. I have to say, what's okay for me and mine? Because if I have, uh, if I have uh, coworkers who are above a certain age, then I understand there's an inherent risk. If I have coworkers who have children with asthma, there's an inherent, or if, if I have coworkers who have asthma, I know there's an inherent risk beyond just what 
you know, you, you see on the surface. The opportunity for things to be more complicated and complex comes into view. Yeah. So if I can stop and say, listen, my personal situation, health situation, work expectations, you know, savings, mm -hmm. right? Ability to float for a little bit longer. If I can, and this is everybody out there, if I can stop and kind of work through that process right. in, a, in a humble and patient way, right? Then I can make some decisions that are appropriate. Mm -hmm. And it's asking and it's communicating what's going on out there. So I know that several organizations have put out great surveys. Hey, in the event of us reopening, what are the things that you would like to see? Mm. And here's where we move away from science a little bit into the art, right? Because yes. I, don't, I don't think there's enough science right now for anybody to say, no, it's not a big deal. Most people are going to be okay. It's just like X, Y, and Z that we've dealt with sure. in the past. We don't have enough data. Right. Do we also have enough data to say the company or the country needs to be shut down for the next 12 months? We don't have enough data that says that either. Mm. So what you have to do is stop and say, what, what do I have around me? Right. What are the things that I need? And so if it's a smaller organization, that's easier to accomplish. Sure. Right. If it's a larger organization, that's harder to accomplish, but it doesn't mean it's impossible. So you have to stop and say, listen, and what am, what am I doing to take care of the people around me? If I'm an executive in a company, if I'm an owner of a business, what am I doing to take care of my people and to manage this process with humility and patience? At the same time, though, people have to eat. Right. People have to pay their mortgages. People have to uh, take care of, uh, of their uh, automobiles and, and, and different obligations that they have. Right. And so there's that expectation, there's that balance of, hey, there's a sense of urgency with my patients. And there's a sense of, hey, it, I, we've got to figure something out with my humility. Right. There's that balance there. But if you're erring on the side of humility and patience, it, through this, what you're communicating is that the person is more important than the than the the, the bottom line. The bottom line has to be has to be managed, right? right? Right. The bottom line has to be managed, but the person is more important. And in any culture, that's what you want. You want to make sure you're saying, "Hey, we're taking care of our people the best way we know how to," based on the best science that is available and within the laws and the, the, the rules of, of the people who are in place right now, putting those laws and, and rules together. Now, what are some of the lessons that you and the others at legacy have learned from this shutdown? What, what, what have been the key takeaways that you guys have gotten that you said, you know what? This is going to transform our business, how we, you know, serve our clients and so forth. Yeah. The, the, being an investment advisory firm, <clears throat> working with business owners and, and large corporations on, on uh, investment advisory work and some consulting, yeah. our, uh, our process in the past has been uh, very much so face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. Working through, and that's been 
that's been, you know, the, the, the age old adage of, of, uh, working in this space. Yeah. And what's been challenged is, can I still maintain, build and grow and maintain a, uh, high trust level over the phone and via zoom? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Uh, we've begun to realize and, and see through this that uh, we are able to execute on team transition. We're able to execute on team development. We're able to execute on putting these financial plan uh, plans together, maintain the process of building those financial plans uh, with our clients. And it does not have to be face to face. We've had some challenges. Don't, yeah. you know, don't, don't get me wrong. Some of our clients not being used to Zoom and not working with that as much, but we've been able to maintain our high level of expertise and in, in work in high touch uh, 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 relationship uh, management with our clients through this process um, because phones work and the internet works. Yeah. You're taking advantage of it. And if you're listening, you're working with people then you're able to, to maintain that with folks and continue to provide them with what they need, which is, Hey, how do I manage through this uh, situation? And how does this look? What am I, what, what does this change? And that's, that's what we do. That's what we do with clients. We walk them through this financial planning journey uh, on their way towards financial independence. I'm curious from your perspective, how do you develop those high trust communications using these technologies now versus when you had the added advantage of being face to face and being able to read the room and so forth. There, there are inherent advantages to being in the same room, but what have you had to kind of compensate for in order to ensure that you're, you're developing that high level of trust? Yeah. It, Sean, it's message clarity. It, it's being concise and having a clear message and uh, in, in working with folks saying, hey, this is, the, this is simply what we're about. If you're a small business owner, we want to walk you through your personal uh, transition as a business owner. We want to set you up with the three wins, the shareholder win, the corporate win, and the key leader win so that your business can continue to succeed and have a strong legacy. Uh, if you're a, an executive with a large corporation, hey, we want your uh, retirement benefit plans to be as efficient as they can be. Simple and true. Yeah. And so when you, when you uh, are able to, you know, kind of go through this in, in, in the, the extra, you know, kind of what you would call relationship building that normally goes on, right. both both us as the provider of the service and the, the prospects who we're talking with and, 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 and continue to build relationships with our clients. It's one of those where you kind of say, Hey, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. It's crystal clear what we're trying to, what we're trying to achieve, what the goals are of the relationship and move forward with it. Um, and, and it's, it's not that, you know, we, we don't want to go play golf and it's not that we don't want to go to lunch and it's not that we don't want to do these different things, different events. And we would love to be able to get back to that and look forward to get back to that soon. Um, but through this, you, you do have a, Hey, this is the brass tacks are here's what we're working on. Here's what we want to manage through. And so keeping your eye on that ball, keeping yeah. focused on what the most important things are has been, has given us a clear 
uh, advantage to be able to walk through this in a way that we feel is uh, advantageous for our clients, um, even at the same time while we're, we're processing this, you know, workplace dynamic question as well for ourselves. Yeah, and I got to imagine there's a flip side to the coin where you need both, where you have clarity and then follow through. So being clear on what you're saying that you're going to do for the client, but sure, sure as heck following through on that because you don't have that kind of benefit of the doubt that a relationship, you know, the face-to-face can kind of give you. I imagine those go hand in hand. It has, and, and you know, there's a, there, there is a balance. There is, you know, trying to, to, uh, same as you would, you know, read, you you can read someone over the phone a little bit different than you read someone over, you know, in a, in a, uh, face-to-face meeting, um, versus a a zoom situation. It's all a little bit different and you just have to adapt to it. You have to adapt to it and you have to, you know, ask different types of questions. You have to be a little more structured in the way you, you know, manage certain conversations. Um, but at the end of the day, we're trying to provide a service and whether it's via zoom, whether it's face to face, whether it's over the phone, um, you know, it is simply, Hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish. The need is the same for the client and our process. What we, what we do to fulfill those three wins for our clients is the same. We're just simply managing that, the the understanding of how we, how we relate to are able to communicate that, uh, that, that, that execution with them. Anything that we haven't talked about today in this discussion that you think would be important for our audience to be thinking about? No, th- Sean, those are, those are probably the main things. And, and, you know, the key here is again, to be patient because this is going to continue to develop. Yeah. You know, right now we're, we're kind of getting at that, that transition time between, all right, have we flattened the curve or have we not quite flattened the curve? If we have, what are our next steps? Right. Why are we doing that? There's a lot of different things going on, a lot of different pieces of communication. So at the end of the day, you have to kind of, you know, maintain that level of patience and humility to be able to say, all right, I'm going to be, I'm going to be aggressive right. as an employer. I'm going to be aggressive to try to get most or all of my people back to work. Right. And PP loan hopefully help with a lot of different businesses out there. Yeah. I want to be aggressive in getting my people back to work for their sakes and my business's sake. Right. As an employee, you kind of have to, you have to balance that as well to say, listen, it, you know, I want to be, I want to make sure that, that if the person that I worked for, if I trusted them before this, yeah. how do I continue to trust? How do I give them feedback? How do I give, give them constructive criticism to say, Hey, this is what is going to make me comfortable and help me to do my best work mm-hmm. under the circumstances when I do come back. And so it's, it's, it's managing that communication, uh, that, that collaboration um, with this hurdle, just like any other hurdle. Right. right. They're not the same hurdles, but you manage hurdles in the same way with a high level of collaboration. So I think if, if folks are able to keep that mindset and apply some of these practical things, uh, then, then there's a, there's a path forward. You have to carve it out. Kind of, ha- it's one of those where you have to pull the machete out and, 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 and find it anew, but you, it, it's there. Yeah. You have to look for it. You have to work hard to, 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 you know, maintain it, but the path forward is there. Awesome. Good stuff for us. I really appreciate you taking time. Thanks, out today. 
been a great conversation and look forward to the next one. Sounds great. This is Sean Lydon again. As promised, we have bonus content here that you will not want to miss. So please continue listening as Russ sits down with Atlanta employment attorney Amanda Farahani, managing partner of Barrett and Farahani, as they talk about what you should keep in mind from a legal perspective as you begin to bring back your employees. So here's Russ and Amanda. All right, today I'm here with Amanda Farahani, managing partner of Barrett and Farahani, one of the top employment law firms in Georgia. I asked Amanda to join us today to discuss this big question for employers that we're hearing, and that's this, what's the best way to care for my employees during this uh, uh, high level of uncertainty around COVID-19? Amanda, thanks for joining me today on the call. Absolutely, thanks for having me. So, you know, you, you've made a, you've made a, a, a you know, a, a position for your, yourself in Atlanta and in Georgia and in the employment law world. Tell me a little bit about your work, both on uh, employment law cases uh, and also the, the legislation work that you have been pioneering. Well, Russ, we represent employees in employment cases. Uh, we're the largest law firm in the Southeast that represents solely employees. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do that helping people from the top level, C-level suites, all the way to minimum wage workers in whatever kind of issues that they have with their employer. Um, obviously, right now, people are having a lot of issues with trying to figure out how to get back to work and what to do with work. Um, and so we've been spending a lot of time doing that. The firm has been around since uh, 2001. And, and we are growing and, and luckily we are still in place right now um, while we're at, you know, dealing with all the COVID things. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, you know, the, the, the different capabilities you've put in place have really uh, set you up for a remote work environment right now. And, and you mentioned that you had done that in the, you kind of started on that a while ago. What, what tell, tell folks what, uh, what you have in place to be able to allow your firm to continue uh, working remotely during this time and, and you know what are your thoughts going forward? Well my vision has long been having the ability to work remotely just to be able to work anywhere from around the world um, while working on what we do and you know that's gotten obviously very much fast forwarded um, in the last couple of months but luckily we've been working since 2004 on having a fully paperless law firm. So we've been paperless for over a decade. Uh, about five years ago, we went fully remote-based as well. So everything's on the cloud for us, cloud-based. So when COVID hit, it was a very simple transition for us to get everybody working from home. So since March 10th, the entire firm has been working from home. We do have someone who comes in to see if we've got any mail, which uh, has gotten less and less, of course. And otherwise, everyone's been working from home, and we just made the decision to extend that through the end of the year to ensure that everybody is working safely. Very good. And, and you know, in, in different professional services areas, um, in, 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 you know, different uh, areas of, of business and, and commerce, if you, if you have invested in that and if, you, if you've taken the time previously to get caught up in that area, then you have that opportunity, you have that you know, possibility, but there are areas of the economy where jobs cannot be done remotely. 
um, and, and, you know, much less, um, you know, it, it, they don't even have the choice uh, to be able to do it that way. And so as different, right, there's 50 different reopening plans, um, plus the counties, plus the municipalities in our country right now. And so different employers in those different uh, geographic locations are trying to balance uh, this, this idea of how do we get people to work in the best way possible, right? Because people need to work. That's part of what it means to, to be in America. It's, you're expected to work and, and carry forward. But at the same time, there's a level of, hey, we don't know a, a, a lot right now. There's things that, you know, we, some people say we, we, uh, you know, we, we, we know more than we, people letting on. Other people say we don't know enough. Somewhere in the middle is the truth. And so during that period of time, at least through Legacy's eyes and what we're trying to communicate through um, our, our, our uh, pieces here with COVID-19 is that humility and patience are necessary. Humility and patience are necessary in, in carrying employees through this transition because no one's been through it before. There's nobody out there that says, I know emphatically, I know exactly what's going on. Nobody does. And so you have to be able to show the balance of patience and humility. Um, but there's some practical steps in that in between. There's some practical steps people are taking, uh, both to uh, help employees work remotely, to also help them feel safe if they must come into a store or an office or a work site. So, you know, that's hopefully how everybody's kind of continuing. But there's also this other tangible side as far as uh, legality goes. So there are things that we do know as far as how employers need to behave um, in, in managing their employees, managing the expectations that they're putting on employees, managing transitions where employees, um, you know, may be furloughed or maybe, you know, uh, uh, temporar temporarily uh, relieved or depending on what the business is going through. So um, from your uh, vantage point in, in based on your, your uh, career and, and time in this area, uh, what are some, some good uh, pieces of advice that employers need to make sure they're paying close attention to, not only to avoid uh, you know, a, a legal uh, issue, but also, again, in the spirit of this conversation, to best care for their employees? What, would you, what, what are some areas there? Well, I would say the very first thing to be thinking about is communication. Right. So, you know, letting your employees know what's going on, keeping them abreast of what's happening. There's a lot of companies that are still closed and that aren't going to be open for a while. So letting them know that you're applying for unemployment for them, for example, that that's going to continue on for a period of time. Letting them know the plans that you're making for reopening. So what's going to be the safety procedures? What's going to be in place when people come back so that they understand what is in store for them. And then as you're bringing people back is letting them know that they can come back. But importantly, if people have fears, underlying conditions, um, any kind of issues like that is working with them, right? So having a conversation about what their particular issues are and seeing if there's a way that you can accommodate that. On one hand, that's gonna be a legal obligation. So if someone has an underlying health condition, including for example, anxiety or OCD, those are people that are gonna to need to have an accommodation or else it's gonna be a violation of the law, right? Mm -hmm. 
anyone who's been exposed to COVID is sick with COVID. They have some protections right now that obviously weren't in place before. And so dealing with that, but then there's just going to be those other people, right? The ones who maybe they've got somebody at home that they're worried about, but that's not going to give them a legal protection. It's communicating with them, talking with them and saying, what can you do to ensure that safety procedures are put in place that they're comfortable with so that you're not firing somebody or having to let people go in this kind of time and you're, you're retaining all your, your good people. There's also gonna be some issues with having to let people go, right? So as there's a reduction in work, there's going to be the unfortunate circumstance where we're gonna see more and more layoffs. And I think we're gonna see more of those coming. Uh, and so making those decisions and making sure that those decisions are being made legally Right, not saying, okay, well, this person has a kid at home, or this is somebody who's sick, or somebody who's older. And so I'm not going to bring those people back. Those decisions are illegal decisions. And so got to be careful making sure that when you decide who to let go, that you're doing it based on something that's objective, like seniority, for example. Yeah, yeah. And there's been some, you know, conversation around. Uh, the, the, the point you made of, of sometimes business owners, they've just never faced some of these issues or hurdles before. And, and the idea is that, that you know, that people are paying attention, right? They, and, and, you know, they're also trying to get their business back open. They're trying to communicate with vendors. They're trying to communicate with their supply chain. They're trying to communicate with their clients and, and, and reassure their clients of them being able to deliver on what they have said they would deliver on. Um, and then you also, you know, everybody wants to be able to say, all right, I just want, I just want to know that my employees are going to be there for me, right? That's a natural feeling, but you also have to turn it around the other side and say, the employees need to be able to know that their employer's there for them. Mm -hmm. That's an important balance. And, and, you know, in all of this, we talk about the three wins and it's, it's business owners need to be able to run their business. They need to make sure that, cause that is their lot. That's, that's what they've invested their, their, you know, blood, sweat and tears into. They've spent a long time keeping it going. So, you know, the headlines are true. What about these businesses and the business owners? That's not at the employees are not sacrificed to support that. There's got to be this balanced approach. We're saying, how do we keep all three wins in balance from the shareholder, from the, from the company, and then to the, to, uh, the, the employees and, and the leaders in that firm. So managing that balance is important and something that a business owner may be willing to go and do, right? Doesn't mean that everybody in the firm is also willing to do that very next thing. And we know that business owners are, they're willing to do a lot more because the award, the, the reward is higher than someone who's is, uh, is a W-2. Ideally, right. there's a cap, right? And ideally, yeah. Uh, so, not so, always. <laughs> not always. Not always. And and you know, so we want to make sure that we want to make sure that there's there's that balance there of uh, patience and humility. Uh, what are some things that employees should be paying attention to, also from a communication standpoint, in in making sure that that they're not surprised uh, when something happens if there's something that they should be doing ahead of time and being being proactive themselves? I think it's important that if people are going back to work is to make sure that they're taking their own steps towards safety, right? So wearing a mask, putting gloves on, making sure they're, you know, washing their hands, if they're sick, not going in anywhere themselves. So that's going to be the first and first 
first and foremost important thing is just self-protection. And then it's going to be finding out from your boss, you know, what's happening, what are those things in place if they're not doing a good job communicating. And then ultimately is understanding what their, what their rights are. And so if there is a situation where their employer is not doing things safely, is understanding that they have the right to come forward and to raise that issue and not be retaliated against. And to understand that they also have the right if they've got underlying health conditions or a child at home that they need to take care of, that they've got rights to paid leave that they didn't have before. Um, and you know, unemployment right now is, is the place where there's a lot of protection for people who are out of work. And if their employers have let, you know, furloughed them or they're not in, at work because of COVID, is making sure that their employer is actually filing for unemployment for them until they get brought back. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, coming into this, it was always that game of how do we keep our people healthy? You know, the, the, the amount of time that people are out sick or, um, you know, from a health and wellness standpoint, you know, the, there are a lot of programs around wellness. And if you work out a certain number of, if you can track these different things, if you can show the data that you've done all these different things, then we'll reward you with X, Y, and Z. Those are big push in, 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 in especially bigger companies around that sort of thing. And so, the spirit of that is true. It's still here. We want to keep our people as healthy as possible because if they're not healthy, they can't work. Right. So that's the balance that we want to, you know, we're encouraging and, in, in, you know, from, a, from an employee standpoint, making sure that you're doing everything you can to, to uh, communicate well and document what's there and to continue to understand, um, you know, what their, what their rights are and what their, their uh, protection is under the law and um, you're doing a lot of work to expand those protections, which is great uh, in different areas where people are, are being taken advantage of. They may or may not know they're being taken advantage of. Um, right. So that's really good. And, and, you know, in this, there are going to be situations that come up. There just are. Um, and it's good that, that we can point them to you, um, either through uh, the Baird and Farahani Justice at Work website. Um, and, and there's numbers to call and, and, you know, to get a consult there. Um, because we want to make sure that people are being taken care, good care of. And so with that teamwork between employer, knowing what they should be doing, communicating well, and then also with the employees, making sure they're proactive in communicating and responding, then hopefully people will be able to get back to work and, and get back into a rhythm that, you know, they, they are, want to be in uh, originally and able to carry forward and, and, and try to improve this situation as much as possible. So um, we'll include, if anybody's interested, we'll include Amanda's information uh, in the article below. And Amanda, we uh, appreciate you being on the uh, call with us and, and appreciate your insight and um, everything you're doing from, uh, from a, a justice at work standpoint in our community. Great. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about how to apply the Three Wins framework to your business, go to LegacyAdvisoryPartners.com backslash the three wins. That's with the numeral three. And download the free white paper, The Three Wins, How to Unleash the Collaboration Effect on Profits in Your Business. And I'll also have a link in the show notes for you. So until next time, see you then.